Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Iowa sets the pace for the 2024 GOP primary. Right, Nikki Haley? Biden's buying more votes, or I mean, totally just canceling more student loan debt because, you know, what is the law amongst the Biden crime family? Speaking of the Biden crime family, Hunter Biden says he is now totes cool with a new subpoena from Congress. Or is he actually just playing more games with the GOP? Either way, it's all stupid. So very stupid. Speaking of stupid, Illinois lawmakers have a bill in front of them that would allow unions an entire week to indoctrinate, e, I mean, make kids workplace ready. What a weekend it was. I'm Andrew Coppins, and it's time for some critical thinking. Yes, indeed, folks. I am Andrew Coppins. Do not forget you can follow on social media at The Coppins Show wherever you like to on social media, especially on X. I'm also on Facebook. I'm really the most active on X because I just don't have time for Instagram, but just don't have time to do a bunch of other stuff uh, with everything else going on in life. Now, I will say this. It is a very happy Monday, despite the fact that it is frigidly cold here in Chicago. My Green Bay Packers, the very first seven seed to win in NFL history in the playoffs, just curb stomped all over the Dallas Cowboys, making people wonder if former Packer head coach will now be fired namely Mike McCarthy. So what a fun weekend it was. Despite the snow, the cold, the insanity of the weather here in Chicago, it was a fantastic weekend. Hunkered down, had some good quality time with the wife and all of that. I hope each and every one of you are doing well, that you are staying warm if you are like me in the Midwest, or if you're in the South um, basking in your 70-degree weather, <clears throat> right right here. I've I got something for you right here. All right. With that all having been said, folks, we have a lot to talk about because today, tonight, Iowa caucuses. They don't go to the polls. They caucus. And that's really where I want to start the show with Iowa because they are kicking off the 2024 GOP primary tonight with a caucus. And this is something that is relatively unique. I think there's only one or two other states. I think Nevada is one, and maybe one other state does a caucus. Um, I'm not totally sure on what the third state would be, but maybe Idaho? I'm not totally sure on that. But anyway, it is a wholly unique experience for most people in the primary process and, and how you have to campaign in a caucus state versus a primary state. I've got personal experience with a caucus, having gone to Iowa State University in 2007-2008. And so we were at the height of the Hillary Clinton-Barack Obama situation on one side, and well, I think John McCain was going to be the nominee almost automatically on the GOP side that year, but you ended up with uh, dueling primaries, like actual primaries going on, so you had to caucus. And you had to choose. You can be independent, but you have to register that night at your caucus site. So um, during what is actually a break as a student still at Iowa State University, 
I returned to caucus that night, and it was a wholly unique experience. I actually like caucusing. I actually think it serves us better than going to the polls and voting because it forces you to think on the spot and stand up to scrutiny. I think there's something to be said for accountability and actually having to be a participant in the process, not just go check a box and forget about it. You actually have to physically interact. You actually have to be participatory in the process. And I like that, but I do not like that. It forces people into the public square and the horse trading and stuff like that. I'm not a big fan of that because I think it loses the anonymity that some people would like to have in their vote. But folks, you are amongst people who are largely just like you. And it can help form coalitions. It can also help ease some of the insanity that happens online all the time, right? Losing that anonymity is actually a good thing in that respect. You actually have to in-person interact in the things that you would say to maybe a DeSantis supporter as a Trump supporter online, you're not saying to them in person. I guarantee it. But that being said, um, I think this is going to be a very interesting process tonight. I am not going to make any sort of prediction other than I think that Nikki Haley is likely to finish fourth. That's my only prediction. I think Nikki Haley is done as of Iowa. But New Hampshire, if you finish fourth in Iowa, the momentum that you're supposed to have going into New Hampshire, right? What momentum? Nikki Haley has had a disastrous last few weeks of the campaign. The gaffe of Iowa starts it, uh, New Hampshire corrects it, and then we go forward. You might think that it could be some sort of the reality of the situation, but you never say that because you are at the same time attempting to garner as many votes as, or as many delegates or, or slips or whatever have you within the caucus process in Iowa. You are attempting to get that portion of the vote as much as possible in Iowa so you don't insult the voters there. But it's not just that. It's how she can't think on her feet. It is all of the things that have taken place there that I don't think a lot of people really like. So with that all having been said, I think we have to take a look at her finishing fourth. But the other portion of why I'm not predicting anything beyond that is... Let's just put it this way. Weather is going to be a massive factor. There have been massive amounts of snow in all over the state of Iowa over the past weekend. There's bitter cold temperatures below zero, absolutely bitterly cold temperatures tonight. It's likely to be in the negative teens when people go out to these caucus sites. And in big-time rural Iowa in which it might take you 30, 40 minutes to get to said caucus site? In bitter, cold, rural Iowa? Most people are going to stay away. I don't think we're going to see anywhere near the turnout that a lot of people predicted. And I don't know what that really means. Could it mean that the massive Trump vote doesn't show up because the massive Trump voter base is largely what in Iowa? Rural? Boomers? I, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't think anybody really knows. But what I do know is that the polling, traditional polling that's been done, has been awful for almost a decade now. Because it has failed on multiple levels. And we talked about this last week. Robert J. Salazar has done some polling. And he has done it differently. 
He's been using AI machine learning algorithms and paired it with telephonic traditional polling methods. And why does this matter? Why would AI matter? It matters because it can measure intensity and intentionality in a way that a traditional call them up, ask questions poll can't do. It just really can't. Because you can also lie. But machine learning, AI, pulling all of the data points of what you're interacting with and what you're doing and making a guess, a best guess as to whom you actually support and whom you are actually going to be voting for is much more indicative, much more telling. It can dive deeper into your personality than a traditional poll can. So Robert J. Salazar uh, dropped a poll at like 1 a.m., so really late on Sunday night into Monday morning here. And this is the result of the poll. This is from 1-14-2024, so yesterday. Donald Trump sits at 38% with Ron DeSantis at 14 or 35%, excuse me. Nikki Haley at 14 and Vivek Ramaswamy at 13. Now, what the sentiment trend for the poll tells us is that Trump has been falling, which is true based off of the polls of the past. That Ron DeSantis is rising, that Nikki Haley is falling and that Vivek Vivek, excuse me, is rising. They sampled 500 people, 70% Republican and 30% independent. Now, this matters to me because of a very important piece of the puzzle. Last time out, where they had like a 4 or a 5% lead for Donald Trump in this poll, it was a 50-50 split between independents and um and registered Republicans in the state. And I felt like that is a very big overrepresentation of the independent vote. You need to understand that in Iowa, you can be independent and you can vote in any primary you want, but you have to register that night and then re-register as an independent if you so choose. The reality of the situation is that it's probably in the mix of 25 to 30% independent that will show up at these caucus sites and register who they're going to caucus for. What you do notice in the poll is when it switches to 70-30, Ron DeSantis actually gets closer in the state of Iowa to Donald Trump in the poll than the previous one. He is well within the quote-unquote margin of error the margin of error being 5% in the poll. And again, this poll is meant to measure the intensity and more importantly, the intentionality of somebody based off of their day-to-day habits, their talks, their what they're looking at and where they're going and whom they're going. This is more of predictive modeling, which is what polling is supposed to be about, by the way, than ever before. Now, I will say this, I'm I'm very anxious to hopefully get Robert on this program, no promises, but uh, I'm very hopeful to get Robert on this program to talk about the polls, to talk about his methodology, to talk about what does take place tonight in Iowa later on this week. Either way, I absolutely, whether he is dead on or dead off or whatever, I am absolutely fascinated by the future of this type of potential polling because he's thinking differently about data and how you get it and how you process it. He is very much in the camp, like I am, of garbage data in means garbage data out. How do we get good data in and get good data out? And I'm absolutely all about elevating those people, having discussions with them. So hopefully we'll have Robert on. But again, as for tonight... I am not making any predictions other than Nikki Haley finishes fourth. I think Vivek has had a very strong finish, and I think that there are more people who see him as less of a fraud, especially because Donald Trump decided to attack Vivek, the person that 
for the longest time has been kind of the quote-unquote on-the-ground attack dog for Donald Trump. That's the insane part in all of this. And I think it is also rubbing a lot of people who still not totally sure which way we're going here the wrong way. Because it turns out if you don't have quote-unquote fealty to Trump in the immediate moment, well, you're going to be in trouble. All right, so with that being said, speaking of in trouble, um, we have got to also talk about this um, because Jenna Ellis continues to fervently be in trouble, forever in trouble with Donald Trump, and I don't think she cares one bit, but she had this to say, and it was a sentiment that I actually agree with almost wholeheartedly, and I'll explain the parts that I'm going to parse in a bit, but I think it's important to understand this as we go into the actual primary season. And this is what she had to say. She went on to say, PSA, I'm saying this now before the primary results and before Iowa tomorrow. So this was yesterday. She says that I support DeSantis and I hope, and I hope he wins the nomination. He is our best chance to beat the Democrats in November. I support Vivek he, and he isn't a fraud. I would vote for him in the general. I now cannot ever again in good conscience support Trump. I would not endorse or vote for him in the general. I will never support anyone on the Democratic ticket. I would not vote for or support Biden or Newsom at all. If the general is a repeat of Trump versus Biden, I will choose the best third-party option and endorse that person. I genuinely believe for 2024... That would be the best use of my support, my voice, and my vote as a Christian conservative. I really hope it doesn't come to that. We can now choose well and choose wisely. I will say this. I agree with about 90% of what she had to say there. And this is the tough part about, quote-unquote, supporting anybody or being for or against anybody in a primary is that, especially in the age of the intensity of social media and things of that nature, People forget that you're people. People forget that just because you support one candidate over the other, what is is there a common thread? I would argue there are way more things that Vivek supporters, that Trump supporters, not cult members, supporters, Trump supporters, that Vivek supporters, that some cases Nikki Haley supporters, but definitely Vivek, Trump, and DeSantis supporters have in common then they have different. I also agree with the sentiment that I cannot and will not vote for Donald Trump. I, I, I can't. And it has to deal with thinking strategically about 2024 and where we are as a country. I fervently believe that Ron DeSantis gets what time it is. I fervently believe that he has shown vis-a-vis -vis his actions, vis-a-vis -vis his results, not just by winning elections, but by delivering election promises, but by delivering for the people of, of Florida, whether they voted for him or not, in great times of need. He has shown how effective use of government can work and how ineffective government can be and how to handle that inefficient and ineffective government. He has shown how to stand up to bureaucratic insanity and the woke left. He has shown time and again, show me, prove it. That's the point. And it's ironic that in the past, I would say maybe three, four weeks, Ron DeSantis has finally gotten the message that I sent and that others since then have sent I've but what three four months ago I said this is this is the message that Ron DeSantis needs to send I am your champion I am a champion I am not the end I am a vessel for me to be used for your good for the good of this country I will work that way. I will do those things. I fervently believe that because I've seen the results of it. 
But I can't in good conscience vote for Donald Trump because he absolutely is about himself. He has shown terrible judgment when it comes to Anthony Fauci, COVID-19, the lockdowns, getting played by the CARES Act, the 2020 election that was stolen because he allowed it to be stolen. Don't need to rehash all of that. But more importantly, he has gaslit the entire GOP electorate over the past few months and weeks on almost every topic. Whether that's saying that Ron DeSantis is more of a fan of Anthony Fauci than him. Look, is it true that Ron DeSantis followed the guidelines that the federal government were handing down early on in the pandemic? Absolutely. But what did he do? He studied the data and studied the studies, listened to multiple voices and said, oh, hell no. Now, were there other governors that got it before Ron DeSantis? Absolutely there were. Brian Kemp in Georgia, Christy Nome in uh, South Dakota. You could say that Kim Reynolds in Iowa got it. But the mark of good people is not being on the right side of everything all the time, very upfront. No, the mark of good people is, okay, listening and taking inputs and and going oh you know what i think i'm actually i think that i'm actually thinking differently about this because i'm actually critically thinking i just to gaslight on covid-19 to gaslight on your presidency and your record i get it i get the want and desire to paint yourself in a positive light but the reality is a lot of what is going on on the southern border right now is because of your presidency, because of your inability to do anything, because of your inability to deliver on the wall, to deliver on the promises, the big promises. We're not even talking about the minutiae of the promises made to us. You didn't deliver. And you're rehashing all of it because you didn't deliver. So what makes it any different now on top of all the baggage, on top of all of these other things? The strategic part of this is you have somebody who has the 90% belief of the MAGA group, okay, has 90% of it. That's Ron DeSantis. Has none of the baggage, can deliver on the vast, 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 vast majority of exactly what you want. Meanwhile, Donald Trump has delivered on none of it and is facing lawfare and disqualification and, whole God, the Supreme Court. And it's very likely the Supreme Court, whether that's a split Supreme Court or, oh, hell no, nine to nothing Supreme Court, which I believe is likely to be the case in Maine and, and Arizona, but I'd, or Colorado, excuse me, not Arizona. But I digress. The point of the matter is this. The strategic part of all of this has to be what is the plan when they do you dirty? Because they're going to stop at nothing to do Donald Trump dirty. I haven't heard one from Rona McDaniel. I haven't heard one from the GOP. I haven't heard one from Donald Trump. I haven't heard his plan for when they arrest you, put you in jail. How do you campaign? How do you defeat the spirit of the age. How do you, behind bars or gagged to all degrees possible on multiple fronts here in the next six, eight, nine, ten months, how do you handle that? Considering what is at stake. And what's at stake is, for me, liberty. This is liberty's last stand. And who can deliver for liberty? Who can build a base, build the building blocks, the fundamentals that need to happen for us to return to commonality, 
and community. As Oran McIntyre and I talked about last week on Thursday's program, if you haven't seen it, please do so. It was a fascinating discussion. But who's going to deliver and stand? The only person and the only thing that Donald Trump is standing and delivering on is himself. And I cannot vote for that because it doesn't work for delivering for us, for the liberty-minded. It doesn't work to deliver results. That's the reality for me. And I agree with, with Jenna Ellis. Now, I, I, I have some quibbles with the Christian conservative part of that because, yes, I am a Christian, but I'm also way more libertarian than conservative. I am much more conservative socially, but that's part and parcel of libertarianism is you've got little subsects of it. Now, that all having been said, I agree with the sentiment. I, I don't know how you can look at this and go from a strategic standpoint that that's the right move. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And yeah, come the general election, if Donald Trump is there. I've already done it once, by the way. I already also bought into in 2020 that Donald Trump needs to be the buttress against Joe Biden and socialism. How's that been working out for us? Right? And it didn't. And I thought that he could be a useful tool, just like Joe Biden has been a useful tool. But I don't believe that he can be a useful tool anymore. I don't. Because when I take a look at what took place in 2020, he was the one that was the tool. And got played by the left in the GOP got played by Fauci, Burks, got played by people that are of the left in his own circle. Namely, his daughter and Jared Kushner. So, with that being said, I would vote third party if there is a viable option. And by viable, I mean somebody who actually holds most of the values I have because there's never going to be a candidate, period, amen, that I will or you should, ever 100% agree with. There are things that I don't like about some of the tendencies of Ron DeSantis in terms of using government for social issues. And I'm not talking about abortion. I am talking about how he handled businesses and their want to be woke in the state of Florida or how he handles um, how private businesses want to mediate who is or isn't on their platforms and, and all sorts of that sort of stuff. There are qualms I have with with that authoritarian bent, but there's a difference between authoritarian bents of state governments and what he actually has said he believes about the federal government and its role in that sphere that I like. So with that all being said, point of the matter is this. This is a time for choosing and choosing well. I think this is the year we have got to be strategic. 
We have got to think that way. We have to stop thinking about personality and think about what can be delivered for us for once. And that's not Donald Trump because the only thing Donald Trump cares about is himself. All right, so with that all being said, speaking of thinking of himself, well, actually it's about, yeah, it's about himself. We have Joe Biden. That's right, folks. Biden is now attempting to cancel student loan debt once again. He has got a plan to cancel billions of dollars in student loan debt. That's right. Nearly six months ahead of schedule, Biden is now going to begin canceling student debt for quote-unquote low-level borrowers starting in February. What are the details? Well, borrowers will be eligible for cancellation if they are enrolled in the new SAVE plan, if they originally borrowed $12,000 or less to attend college, and if they have made at least 10 years of payments. The education department said it didn't immediately know how many borrowers will be eligible for cancellation in February. The new repayment plan offers far more generous terms than several other income-driven repayment plans that it's meant to replace. Previous plans offered cancellation after 20 or 25 years of payments, while the new plan offers it in as little as 10. The new plan also lowers monthly payments for millions of borrowers. Now, I can tell you as somebody who's got student loan debt and all that stuff that that lowering my monthly payment is a really good thing for me in my pocketbook, right? But I just have one simple question. How many people actually, if you've got $12,000 or less, if you were to make these payments, right, over the course of 10 years, okay, so that's 10 times 12, that's 120 payments. If you are paying $100 a month, $100 a month, that's $12,000. I can tell you as somebody who's gone through this that I'm paying way more than $100 a month. Now, unless you've stretched your time out, but you have had to make 10 years of payments to qualify for this. Quite literally, I know nobody who's going to actually qualify for this. Quite literally, nobody. You would have to pay $100 or less every single month for 10 years to have qualified for this. Now, what qualifies as payments? Is it uh, making sure that you've been 10 years beyond when you borrowed that $12,000 or less? And it also is all about your deferments and and you know all of that sort of stuff that's been going on over the past three years and maybe even before then, right? Who actually meets this criteria? The education department doesn't even know. And, and here's the rub on all of this for me. They shouldn't know. Because I don't think anybody will actually qualify for this. The so narrow group that will have $12,000 of student loan debt canceled. Now, is this a really nice headline to garner so sympathy? I mean, votes. Absolutely it is. But again, how many people are going to go and think that in February they're about to have their $12,000 in student loan debt or less canceled? And maybe it's only their last $1,000 or whatever have you canceled. But again, you would be paying $100 per month in your student loans for the last 10 years I don't know anybody who's paying less than that. And if you are, congratulations. I, I, I don't know. Also, the Supreme Court told you, you can't do that. Literally said, nah, brah, in a very, very clear rebuke. This wasn't even close on the Supreme Court vote. And here's where I want to go with this. This is kind of the point of where Team GOP needs to be, where the Libertarian Party has been for a while. Here's a simple question for you. If the Supreme Court, like let's say with Obamacare, right, told us that Obamacare is totes okay and it's totes not a tax, except for literally is put into the tax code, 
But anyway, the Supreme Court waved its magic wand and said, cool. The Supreme Court also told us separate but equal. The Supreme Court, Plessy versus Ferguson. The Supreme Court, Marbury Madison. The Supreme Court has made all sorts of terrible, awful. Roe v. Wade, right? What Joe Biden and his ilk are doing right now is what? Nullifying the court. If this continues. And what's the strategy? What? Oh, the GOP is going to do what? Oppose canceling student loan debt? How's that going to work out? Considering the fact that, yeah, sure, the youth vote is largely going the way of the left, but increasingly actually shrinking because this part of the Gen Z group is actually more conservative at their age than almost any time in the last 60, 70 years. So how is this going to play out? Again, strategically thinking through this, this is a strategic win, whether they actually get it to go through or not, whether anybody actually, because you win a headline. But what are you going to do as the GOP? Are you going to say, but the Supreme Court, and then sue them? Put them in what? And then do what to the potential voter pool? Do you see where this conundrum is? This is the lesson that Team GOP needs to learn. Sometimes nullification of really bad law that we believe to be bad, that we believe to be a wrong decision of the Supreme Court is worth fighting against, is worth just saying, nah, we're, we're not going to, no, we ignore you. Sometimes that's actually an okay thing. I, I just don't know what you're going to do here other than realize that the left is playing the game of nullification of the very thing that you say we have to give you and the GOP more power to rectify, to put more emphasis on. Yet the left doesn't care, right? Take a look at California and what's going on there with the the Supreme Court and guns. They're just just saying, okay, great, thank you for that information and continuing about their business. I don't know what you do with that. I really don't. I just, I struggle with this one. Speaking of struggling, Hunter Biden, folks, Hunter Biden wants to play ball with Congress. That's right. According to the Daily Wire, House Republicans are offering to accommodate Hunter Biden with new subpoenas. Oversight Chairman James Comer, Republican of Kentucky, and Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan, Republican of Ohio, wrote to Hunter Biden's attorney, Abe Lowell, welcoming the first son's, quote, newfound willingness to testify before Congress in a deposition under subpoena. Um, That's actually not what Abe Lowell and Hunter Biden said they wanted to do. And, and here's the rub with all of this, okay? Hunter's lawyer and, him, and himself have shown up in on the steps of the Capitol or inside the building or inside of the hearing room even, right? Um, showed up. Literally sat in the audience and dared them to hold him in contempt last week. It's one of the most brazen asshole things I have ever seen anybody do, but he did it. And then he said, well, you know what? Actually, if you are really going to go through this house, well, you know what? I'm totally cool with complying with your sub subpoena. Uh, there's a key detail that uh, Jim Jordan and others are missing here. <clears throat> Lowell wrote a letter to the chairman, so both of them, Comer and um, Jordan, on Friday after the Oversight and Judiciary Panels approved resol resolutions to hold his client in contempt of Congress for defying subpoenas issued in November. The lawyer said that Hunter Biden would appear for a, dep for a deposition 
or hearing in compliance with a quote-unquote proper subpoena since the House voted to formally authorize the impeachment inquiry last month. Hunter Biden showed up on Capitol Hill twice, right? Once on the day of his scheduled deposition and a second time as lawmakers considered contempt resolutions. Now, again, here's the language. The lawyers said Hunter Biden would appear for a deposition or a hearing. Not both. One or the other. Do you understand, Jim Jordan and, and Rep. Comer, what game they are trying to play with you? This is playing a long game. They're now going to sit there for weeks, maybe a month, maybe more, and do what with you? String you along, string you along, string you along. That's, that's what they're doing. They're stringing you along for as long as humanly possible. And for what possible reason has nothing to do with him being scared, has nothing to do with incrimination, has nothing to do with anything other than this is political. Impeachment by its very nature is a political, and yes, yes, in some ways, a judicial act, in some ways a legal act, absolutely, but it is 1,000% the political means to do what? Handle legal issues when it comes to the president, when it comes to members of Congress, right? If this goes through February, then March, how long before you hold the feet to the fire? By the time this gets done, it's April. By the time it gets to... The Senate, it's what, May, June, July? And then what? What have you now ceded the ground on? Oh, this is about nullifying any potential vote come November. Because lest you forget that you also said you can't do certain things as Congress, as the Senate, right? It, and, and you need to let the American people handle it. This is where this is going, folks. I'm telling you this right now. This is exactly where this is going. They're going to do exactly this. They're going to string along the Congress. By they, I mean Hunter Biden and his lawyers. They're going to string Congress just deep enough so that their inquiries are now going into March and April. And then it needs to be about another month or so before they actually formally put this in front of the House for a vote which means that will be May, and then they go into congressional recess for a while, and then they won't vote on this until late June or July, and then they go back on recess. Do you see the freaking issue here? Which then forces Congress and to do what? To hold him responsible or to impeach him, right? To vote to impeach, and then say, yeah, but we're actually not going to go through with the Senate portion of this. Um, because we want the American people to make this decision come November. We've done enough because they know they're not going to get the conviction in the Senate. No way, no how. They know that. And possibly what they will do is hold off on that conviction portion until what? He wins the election in 2024 here and then they go through with the trial if they win the Senate, which is a very likely proposition given Manchin is gone, given the numbers game that is at play in the Senate. Let's critically think through all of this. Do you really believe that Hunter Biden has any intention in sitting behind closed doors? He's literally set the caveat, deposition or a hearing. He is going to say, actually, I don't want your deposition. I'm only going to appear in front of an open hearing. And there's a strategic reason for that. Because in a, in a deposition, it is a more legal process. And they can hammer him into the corner, which they can't do because there's limitations to what they can and can't do in the format of said hearing. Five-minute speeches and da 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 Right, In a deposition, it's much more precise, much more to the point and the facts of the matter than will be in a 
open congressional hearing. He is going to do it to you again. He's going to force you to either put him on that hearing or contempt again. And how long is that process going to take? It's all a game. And you're being played, Comer. You're being played, Jim Jordan. You're being played, GOP voter. You're all being played, and you don't even realize it. It's time to start playing the game back. Hold his ass in contempt. Force him into a deposition and say this. We don't accept your offer of deposition or hearing. It is deposition and a hearing. We'll give you that if you give us the deposition. We'll give you the hearing. We'll put you in front of everybody. Your opportunity to grandstand your way through this and look like a complete and utter asshole like you actually are, go ahead, man. We'll play that game. Except for they're not. This should have been done in November of 2023. This should have been done and dusted and over. Instead, they're playing right into the hands of the Biden crime family. Speaking of stupidity, Illinois unions are going to get a week to indoctrinate high schoolers in the state if they get their way. That's right, folks. They're digging their claws, getting their hooks into the high schoolers. But I thought it was bad because, you know, um, we can't have Army, Air Force, Marine, Navy, Coast Guard, Space Force. We can't have any of those recruiters in high schools anymore. We should probably get rid of the, you know, junior ROTC programs too because we, we, we don't want nor need to have people be influenced into potentially joining into the military because the military is bad, okay? Well, are unions any better? Just asking from a perspective of indoctrination. Well, it turns out that Illinois policies, uh, Miley Smith, uh, who is a great friend of this program, has been on this program at least twice, um, writes for them about House Bill 4417, which allows unions free access to impressionable high schoolers to help ease the fact that most people in the private sector want absolutely nothing to do with private unions, most of them. Sure, you've got your woke barista crowd or your um, woke subset of gig economy workers who suddenly want to unionize or whatever have you. You've got those. But they are a vast, 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 vast minority of the reality of most people. They don't want anything to do with a private or a public union by and large. So here's the rub. Um... It is about a, quote-unquote, <clears throat> readiness week. That's right, folks, a readiness week. House Bill 4417 requires an annual, quote, workplace readiness week in all Illinois high schools, which focuses not on getting kids ready for jobs, but on the labor movement's role in the workplace. As Smith wrote, House Bill 4417 requires every high school to observe an annual, quote, workplace readiness week. The name sounds like it would help Illinois students prepare for the workforce, perhaps help them know how to apply for a job or prepare for an interview. Really good school, uh, skills, by the way. But anyway, uh, Smith continues, far from it. Instead, it would mandate high schools provide students every year with information on issues such as, quote, prohibitions against misclassification of employees as independent contractors, family leave, and, of course, the right to organize a union in the workplace. So the unions get to indoctrinate, the unions get to recruit, the union, 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 but you can't recruit to the military anymore. You can't do any of those things. I wonder, wonder why this bill might be coming forward. Because I, I, it seems to be all about the unions and, and not about the readiness for the actual workplace that's in front of them. Oh, wait, it turns out uh, this potential gift to Illinois unions is no surprise. Nine out of 10 current Illinois lawmakers have received money from unions between January of 2010 and June of 2023. So for 13 years, 
Unions have poured some $60.2 million into lawmakers' political committees, according to records with the Illinois State Board of Elections. The vast majority of the funds, 95%, went to Democrats. More specifically, four out of five current lawmakers have received money from teachers' unions to the tune of nearly $20 million. This is the game the teachers' unions are playing. This is the game. This is the repayment. This is solidarity. That's what's going on here. Four out of five lawmakers have gotten $20 million in total from Illinois teachers' unions, mainly the Chicago teachers' union, its affiliate at the state level, and probably also the federal level. $20 million. And... Now they're going to get access to, hey, by the way, this is, this is, this is what we do. Um, unionize, solidarity. And what do we know about the history of the union movement in this country that I tell you every single Labor Day? It is socialist. It always has been and always will be, especially the Chicago Teachers Union. Especially the people running the Chicago Teachers Union, Stacey Davis Gates, uh, Jackson, Brandon Johnson, who was a member of the socialist wing of that. I just This is mind-bogglingly stupid. Now, will this pass? I don't know. I'll have to check with, uh, with Miley on this, but um, all I'm going to say is it wouldn't surprise me given four-fifths of all lawmakers in Springfield have this going on. Folks, this is ridiculously stupid. Look, if you want to canvas and try to unionize workforces, go to the workforces and try that. Leave the kids alone. It's such a desperate move. Such a desperate move. But folks, with that, I hope each and every one of you stays warm, stays plentiful, healthy today, tomorrow, and all throughout 2024. And remember, there's more in common than different, regardless of whom you support in this election. Try to find those common ground pieces and work on those, if you can. Please be smart, be safe, be kind, and make sure you're eating all of your meals. As always, Matthew 547.